0: And now back to Lifeline with
1: Craig Roberts. Welcome to our Lifeline Parenting Series. We're joined in studio every week at this time by Vern Tyler, who is founder of Hosanna Pathways and the Hosanna Parent Project. And over the course of the next many weeks, we'll be talking with Vern about many of the foundational biblically-based principles for successful parenting. And by way of introduction every week, Vern, you've got a lot of experience in this. You and your wife, Judy, have not only raised a family of your own, but over the course of many years have been foster parents to about 800 children. I would imagine you've learned a thing or two. (laughs) Very much so,
2: and wonderfully so. It's been a marvelous, marvelous adventure.
1: This series, of course, week by week, will unveil a number of foundational principles when it comes to parenting, not only in terms of addressing the so-called problem child, but quite frankly, for any child. So toward that degree, this is really appropriate for parents, whether they're dealing with children who are a little bit more mature, perhaps preteen years or even older, up to and including those parents who are still anticipating their first child.
2: And I would urge families that are even thinking of families, the pregnancy stage, uh, the infancy stage, these principles are so significant that if you implement them at an early age, you are avoiding the problems of later age. And this, is, to me, is, the, is a greater adventure. Uh, if we try to intervene in the older children, Generally, their mind, their computer, is pretty well already programmed. And to deprogram is a very, very challenging uh, process. So, getting started young is the key.
1: Use that phrase that you mentioned earlier about uh, redirecting as opposed to. Well,
2: oh, it's better to build boys and girls than to mend men and women. Let's use that
1: again. So at the end of the day, then, you've got a phrase that I think will really help parents understand the purpose of this series.
2: Better to build boys and girls
1: than to men men and women. Let's get underway with today's edition of the Hosanna Parent Project. And toward the end of our conversation with Vern, we'll give you more information about how you can sign up for classes at a church in your area as part of the
2: Hosanna Parent Project. So as I try to approach some of these topics or issues that parents need to uh, confront, be aware of, uh, we'll be going through various topics, um, and today I want to address a little bit uh, or introduce uh, the issue of addressing problematic behavior of our children. I think uh, any parent would recognize and acknowledge that our children are going to be testing us Uh, that they're going to be oppositional. That's kind of our nature. Uh, We want to be a god unto ourselves, if we will. So our children uh, need to have that special attention, or we as parents need to be prepared to handle those times when they're going to push back, when they're going to be oppositional, when they are going to present problematic behaviors. The key thing, I think, uh, and the issue that most of us face in these kinds of environments, these kinds of situations, is that we're attempting to control our children. Oftentimes we'll hear that comment, your children are out of control, or we'll make the comment, that child is out of control. I think it's rather obvious that we probably, as parents, never have control of our children. When they're in our presence, we do have some ability to control them, but particularly when they're out of our presence. Control is not an issue. that uh, we can enforce and think that we're going to be able to uh, receive a response from our children that is respectful is going to be um, uh, appreciated and so on. Uh, Remember that as parents if we do not respect our kids then we cannot expect response uh, back that is other than what we're modeling. So if we want respect we have to model respect. Uh, If uh, our children are being disrespectful to us, it's probably because we have modeled that for them. We've been disrespectful towards them. That obviously has to change if we want to have an environment in our family, in our homes, uh, where we are not constantly on alert, constantly battling one another, uh, constantly in a state of stress. So we need to confront our children, or when we address them, we need to do it with dignity and respect. Otherwise, we're going to be provoking our children and causing them to return to us the very same behavior that we've modeled to them. And of course, that's that unwanted disrespect. So uh, uh, please, folks, we've got to uh, change our behavior if we expect our, our children to change or correct their behavior. It's up to us to be respectful, uh, which then we can expect or even demand uh, a, a return of respect. Uh, remember, respect begets respect. Disrespect begets disrespect. Very, very, very basic principle, uh, but one that is probably the most neglected in any home that we might enter. Uh, remember Uh, That if we regard each other respectfully, kids usually respond to parental confrontation or intervention uh, with the purpose of getting their parents off their back. So we've got to be aware of this um, and be alert that there can be some scheming that's happening in the background. Uh, they purposely attempt to raise our anxiety level, parents' anxiety level, especially if this has been successful in the past? In other words, if the behavior leads to arguing uh, between the parents and the child, this re- represents a stalemated situation, and our kids have, at minimum, frustrated the issue, which represents a win for the child. So we need to understand what's happening, need to understand the nature of our child, need to understand how we as humans generally respond and react to restrictions, uh, comments. Uh, correction uh, we need to have an understanding of how our kids, as well as we, are normally going to behave uh, in these relationship issues, or not just necessarily relationship it can be a situational uh, issue also uh, so remember that we can complicate our parenting issue if we 're not careful uh, if we reinforce the arguing issue. Uh, if we aren't careful, we're actually stimulating or causing inappropriate behavior. Um, and when I used earlier here this issue of respect-disrespect, arguing is going to blue, uh, blur the uh, the rule of expectation, uh, and the obedience to authority and the security of the home all becomes very confused uh, and not very secure for a child. And of course that raises some very significant issues for those of us that are parents because now our, fo- our homes become an environment of chaos uh, and it's very difficult to enforce rules uh, or even to expect the uh, fulfillment of good behavior and uh, following proper rules. I'm going to change the subject here a little bit. I want to talk Pretty much for the rest of today, uh, regarding what I'm going to refer to as the parenting heart of God, Uh, you know, we as parents need to look to the Bible to find our guidebook and to realize that uh, we have to find the source for uh, the reason, the rationale for the way that we expect our home to be functioning in harmony. Uh, without chaos. Uh, so we need to understand uh, and emphasize or uh, empathize with uh, the struggles of not only our children, but the struggles that we have. We're very busy people. Our children are very occupied. They seem to have plenty of things to occupy their day. We're trying to be efficient. As parents, we are trying to coordinate and keep the harmony in the home, but we have to understand again the human nature of ourselves, of our children uh and be sensitive, compassionate uh and if we are careful and understand what we're what we need to accomplish, I think we can uh have a home of more harmony and less chaos. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you that if we understand the heart of God that our homes would be homes of understanding. Where we empathize with one another, where we live for one another. Now, again, that's a very, um, that's kind of going against our, con, our, our, our natural, our nature. So we need to understand that empathy is something that it needs to be learned, something that needs to be taught. Uh, so if you and I, as parents, truly try to understand our children, if we try to truly uh, empathize with them, Uh, Now, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to agree, but we need to try to understand where they're coming from, why they're coming from that. Uh, If our children can uh, sense that we are an empathetic parent, then they're going to feel a lot more comfortable with sharing. Now, that means that a child sometime can be angry. Anger is a natural emotion, but that doesn't mean that anger can be carried out uh, disrespectfully. So that's where that empathy and understanding kind of Uh, has to find a balance there where uh, we as parents understand and have to uh, put some borderline or guidelines here with our children as to how they can uh, uh, conduct their behavior when we have to confront them. Uh, They have to feel comfortable. Uh, We have to hopefully get them in a position where they have reduced frustration. Uh, It's uh, very easy for us parents to... Uh, cause the frustration, cause the uh, uh, the child to not feel comfortable, to feel very uncomfortable that we don't love them and things of this nature. And the third thing I would hope that we could, if, when we understand the heart of God and the parenting responsibility, we can give our kids assurance, assurance that they have value, assurance that they are a very important part of our family, uh, assurance that they are loved, Uh, given them an assurance that gives them a hope. Uh, All of these things are so critical for our children to feel secure, to feel loved, to feel part of our family. So we need to be very sensitive and, again, try to uh, understand the heart of God. After the break, we're going to come back. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture here that hopefully will help us to understand what the heart of God may be for us as parents. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back. This is Vern Tyler, your host for Purpose Driven Parenting. We're going to continue on the discussion of trying to understand the heart of God for us parents, our parenting heart of God. All right. God obviously is our Father, and He has given us our children uh, to be a father and no other to them. Uh, He's blessed us with that. Uh, this was an eternal purpose that uh, God has chosen and honored us with these precious souls. This is not an accident that God has given to the children he has. Sometimes we think he's made a mistake, particularly when we get a strong willed kid or when a child is very oppositional or we run into some very stressful situations. But God has designed our children specifically for us. Uh, now, some of us that have adopted, we've chosen. That child and I think even there, God in eternity past purposed that those children were to be part of our family, so it's uh, very critical and very important for us to appreciate that. I want to read a portion of scripture here which I think is uh, uh, very, very, very informative and uh, hopefully will help us to get a uh, uh, have an understanding of the heart of God. I'm reading from Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through seven. Uh, And it uh, reads as follows. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with the comforts through Christ. So when we have, uh, when we are weighted down with troubles, it is for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we, in turn, can be an encouragement to others. Then you can patiently endure the same thing we suffer. We are confident that as you share in suffering, you will also share in God's comfort. Let's kind of, uh, uh, that's the end of that uh, portion of Scripture. Let's kind of go back and uh, maybe kind of uh, paraphrase: If we were to put or use the word, the term parent in, form, in the place of God, um, I think that it gives us kind of an understanding of what the heart of God is, the parenting heart of God is. Uh, I think that we realize that this whole scripture talks about comforting, uh, and our children, folks, uh, in this mad world, needs they need comforting. I think that, uh, and I don't think many of us would disagree, our children today live in a society that brings tons from all directions, uh, all weights, just huge issues for our kids to have to deal with. Um, and this is challenging for a parent. Um, we, Our children need help in walking this journey, growing and learning. Um, so... You know, they have troubles. They have huge issues. You and I, as parents, have issues, have challenges. I hate to refer to these as problems because I don't think there is such a thing as a problem. I think everything is an opportunity. But we need to, as parents, understand that our children are going through uh, troubled waters, that they do have issues that are challenging to them. And we may not even be able to identify with our children, with what they're going through. But it is a challenging time for them. And, of course, we not only have children, uh, but we have uh, also our own responsibilities and our occupation. And uh, we have uh, huge responsibilities that seem to crush in on all sides. So we tend to try to be as efficient as we can for parents and as sensitive as we can. But, unfortunately, with that kind of an environment we're working in, I think we tend to miss the tensions... Uh, that our children are having to deal with. And we tend to dismiss it. We don't recognize what they're having to go through. Uh, But, you know, how grateful are we as parents, as Christian parents, that we have a Heavenly Father who understands. uh, He allows these troubles into our life not to destroy us. He allows these troubles into our life to help us to grow, to become the individual that he uh, ordained us to be or uh, uh, has planned for us. So... uh, as we find in Romans eight twenty eight that he's going to work all things for our good if we'll just love him and live according to his purpose. Now, mom and dad, that's what we need to understand with our children. Uh, as God is patient with us, we need to be patient with our children. As God comforts us, we need to comfort our children. As God helps us work through these trials and tests, we need to identify that as what our children are going through. Uh, which, again, requires patience and a love and understanding and empathy. All of these things that are going to help our child to feel secure, to f- to feel uh, that they have a meaning, that they have a purpose. I have a chance to counsel a good number of children, and uh, I have raised personally over 800 foster children in my home. Uh, I can see kids that desperately need comfort, desperately need hope. Uh, and I, in counseling, dealing with kids constantly, desperately need comfort, desperately need hope. So, folks, we need to step back and understand that the parenting heart of God is that we need to be there for our kids, uh, understanding them with empathy, comforting them to reduce their frustration, assuring them with a hope and uh, that they're important, that they're a critical part of God's plan, Um, that we're there for that particular purpose just as their Heavenly Father is there for not only them but that's what he is for you and I as a parent. Let's compare some issues. Let's kind of change the subject a little bit. I want to talk uh, about the issue of when our kids do show the bad behavior Uh, do reflect those kinds of situations, and we as parents need to lovingly confront, again, using the Parenting Heart of God um, illustration. Uh, We need to be able to confront our children in an understanding, uh, compassionate, empathetic, uh, comfortable, and assuring way. Uh, But unfortunately, if we were to probably look at the situations in our home today We don't find that that's the environment, that's the circumstance that tends to evolve out of those situations. And of course, as parents, that's our primary job, is to discipline our children. That doesn't mean punish them. Not at all. Punishment has a very small part of that. Discipline just simply means an efficient way of getting from point A to point B. We need to help them be structured, have some way to be sure that they get from point A to point B without getting hurt, without having uh, undue stress and things of this nature. Uh, so confrontation is a very important part. But if we were to look at our homes, look at the normal situation that we have to deal with in our homes, I think uh, it would be it's very illuminating, and that's why I want to go through this comparison with you. Um, if you have to do a confrontation, what are your expectations? How do you think your child is going to react to you? Uh, in most situations that I run into, Uh, they expect the child to demonstrate anger. Uh, And that's uh, uh, part of that reason for anger is to get you off their back. Um, This has worked for them in the past to get angry, so that you back off, you give them some room. Well, that's exactly why a child oftentimes demonstrates her model's anger. You and I as parents have conditioned them to do this way by the way that we've reacted to them. So the parent may uh, uh, experience anger, Uh, Oftentimes, we as parents expect a defensive attitude. Again, this is a natural way to respond to something. We don't want to assume guilt. We want to lay guilt off. We want to give it to somebody else. We want somebody else to carry that guilt. So we tend to be defensive in our posture. Again, this is human nature, folks. Our children are only behaving in a human way. Just as you and I, when our spouse confronts us with something, we tend to be defensive. Why? That's our human nature. We don't want to assume that guilt, and we're going to find other ways to lay it off. The next thing that parents oftentimes expect from their children is that they're not going to listen. Uh, They not only do not want to listen or have no intention of listening, they want to actually engage or move into something more intense, and that's called arguing. Uh, And none of us, no parent that I am aware of, ever enjoys getting into the arguing environment. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll take a look at how a child looks at confrontation.
0: And now back to Lifeline.
2: Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. This is your host, Vern Tyler. We're going to continue the discussion that we were having before the break uh, where we're comparing the confrontational expectations of parents and children. We had covered the expectation that most parents tend to expect out of a confrontation. Let me just quickly run down those for those of you who may have just joined the program. The parents expect anger, number one. Number two, a defensive attitude from their child. Number three, that the child is not going to listen, really listen. The fourth thing is that it's going to lead to an argument. So when we anticipate that this is what a, a confrontation is going to involve, we as parents tend to want to avoid a confrontation, and rightly so. None of us want to get have to deal with anger, a defensive attitude, people that don't want to listen, or somebody that wants to argue. So that's a normal response, parent. However, as the adult parent, we've got to understand the nature of our children and realize this is a normal part of parenting. This cannot be avoided, so we need to just kind of bow our back and say, okay, we're going to go forward with this. Now, let's take a look at the child's situation, too. What does a child expect out of uh, a confrontation when we as parents have to confront our children? I find this rather interesting because the child normally is going to expect to be yelled at. In other words, just as a parent expected anger, the child is expecting a reaction of anger to get yelled at. Uh, the, just as the parent was expecting a defensive attitude from the child, the child expects to be blamed. In other words, we're not going to uh, listen to the extent to try to, de- to understand what are the, what's the rationale, what's the emotion behind the child's behavior. Uh, we're simply going to blame them, and in that blaming process, we can kind of dismiss them. Uh, we can just kind of ignore them. Very dangerous. That's not going. To, that's not helpful, and it's not going to ha- uh, help the situation any. And, of course, again, just as the parent was expecting not to be heard, what do you think the child is expecting? They're expecting they're not going to be heard. In fact, they're going to be ignored. They're not going to be understood at all. The parent is not going to take time to try to identify or understand the real meaning behind uh, what the behavior was. And the other thing that the child expects, uh, we find from research, is that they're going to be dismissed whatever their rationale for the behavior was. We're simply going to dismiss that issue, and the child is left helpless, if you will, very frustrated. Uh, And, of course, what's frustration going to lead to? Anger. Rebellion. Uh, These are complications... That if we parents don't understand the background, understand what's happening, the psychology uh, behind all of this, uh, then we are exacerbating the environment, our home, to become negative, to become chaotic, Uh, and we certainly don't want that at all. Now, again, I pointed out just a few minutes ago, but let me emphasize it. The number one expectation from both parent and child is that nobody's going to listen to them. The child assumes they're not going to be listened to. The parents assume they're not going to be listened to. Uh, so we can see what a standoff this uh, would be. Uh, we would be far wiser to hear our children out when they're trying to explain uh, and not get us off their back. Please be aware. Of this. Oftentimes the kids will use uh, this tactic of not being listened to uh, or become angry to get us off their back. Uh, and, of course, away from their behavior. So parents, be aware of this. Don't get distracted. Don't get deflected. Um, But nothing will provoke our child's uh, frustration, anger, and discontentment more than for a parent to be unwilling to empathetic hear them out. Uh, Remember uh, uh, the verse in Colossians 3.21? It says, fathers, or let me put parents there, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. So in that quit trying, in between is probably going to be some real pushback, some defiance, some rebellion. They're angry. They don't feel that they have been um, held uh, in esteem to the point where you're even willing to try to understand where they're coming from. So we need to understand, folks, what's happening when we do a confrontation and expect these things, understand when they happen why they're happening, that will help us as a parent be far more effective. And you'll find that your home will be less chaotic and be more family-friendly. Let's do another comparison now. We did the comparison of parents expecting in a confrontation. But if we were to do a comparison in a confrontation, what would be our wish, our hope? the feelings that would come out of a confrontation, uh, I think it's uh, very helpful for us to kind of take a look at this too. Obviously, from the parent's standpoint, we want a good result. We want everybody to be, be relatively happy. Now, folks, 100% happy. Is that possible? I doubt it. Uh, but we want it to the, uh, the confrontation to be, turn out to be good. We as parents want to be understood. We're not... Uh, speaking into the air, not hoping that we're not going to have a recipient. Uh, We love our children. We're trying to help them, uh, and we want to be understood. But this is a huge challenge uh, because, remember, a child is on an emotional level, and you and I are on a rational level. We're adults. They're children. So understanding means that we've got to be empathetic. We can't expect the child to understand what thoughtful means when their maturity level prevents that from happening. That technically doesn't is not completed until they're age twenty-five. Uh from twenty-five and, and down uh and younger, the majority of our decisions, our reactions, are primarily based on emotion. Not rational thinking, not based upon our past experience. Kids will do dangerous things over and over and over again because they're emotional. They're not thinking They think this time they can get away with it. Um, Actually, that happens a lot in adults, too. But it's certainly more prevalent with our children because they are uh, juveniles. Their mind has not um, developed to the point where uh, they can think and and be rational. Uh, Now, the fourth thing I think that, um, in the comparison here I'd want to kind of bring up, is we as parents want to feel appreciated. I think when it's... We see our children react to us disrespectfully, and we've given them, you know, tons of gadgets, given them a good home. You know, our anger kind of wells up in us because we think, man, all that I've done for my child, and this is the reaction I get, is uh, uh, no appreciation. Uh, that can be very frustrating for us as parents. And on the child's side, what is what would be their hope and feeling in a confrontation? It's nearly identical, folks. Again, uh, in my counseling with these kids and with parents and with families, uh, I can tell you what a parent uh, and a child both expect. And I think you and I, just in our casual uh, acquaintances and observation with our children or with friends and family, so on and so forth, any kind of a confrontation, we want to see these things. In other words, we want to feel good when the confrontation is over. Uh, And sometimes uh, that doesn't mean that when we feel good that it— The bottom line has been feeling good. We may have to uh, be very straightforward and raise issues which are not uh, comfortable to have to deal with, but yet the end result is that we have a good sense when the confrontation is over. And certainly everybody in that confrontation is going to want to be understood. Uh, The child as well as the parent. Uh, I think we parents look to our selfish needs uh, so much that we dismiss the feeling for the child to sense that they've been understood. We may not agree with what their position is. We may not agree uh, with their behavior. Uh, But uh, we need to understand to the extent the child can verbalize it or reveal to us what the issue is. We need to understand that. And, of course, uh, the child needs to sense respect, too. We've been touching on this. If you've been with me for very long, this is probably one of the key issues That I talk about most is respect begets respect, disrespect begets disrespect. So if that child is not modeled with respect, then that child is not going to uh, demonstrate respect back to you. And, of course, that child needs to sense that they're valued. Just because they're a child doesn't mean that they don't have value to you and your family, that they uh, can't be listened to or appreciated. So they need to appreciate and understand that they are valued. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back shortly. And now, back to Lifeline. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. This is your host, Vern Tyler. We're continuing our discussion today. I would probably entitle today's segments as uh, Understanding the Parenting Heart of God. Uh, We... You read a verse at the beginning here in corinthians second corinthians one uh first chapter verses three through seven. Uh, those of you that have joined us late, you might want to review that section of scripture. I think it'll be helpful in helping you to understand uh or helping all of us to understand uh the heart of God when it comes to parenting uh which takes an awful lot of patience, a lot of uh understanding, and as that scripture talks about, we as parents need to be able to comfort our children. In this chaotic world, in this world of tremendous stress, tremendous demands, tremendous options, um, they need us. They need us desperately, and we need to be there for them, understanding uh, their their human nature, how they're going to react, why they react the way that they do. Um, We uh, in earlier segments today also looked at uh, some comparisons with parents and children as to what they expect out of a confrontation. Uh, and then revising how we would like to see those confrontations come out. And when we view the two together, they're nearly identical. In other words, parents and children expect uh, a certain reaction from each other, normally negative, in a confrontation. But if you were to ask parents and children what they would like to see come out of a confrontation, they're all positive. So we need to adjust our thinking. And again, I've got to remind us as parents that we've got to change first if we want to change our children. If we're not doing it right now, it's not going to uh, correct itself with expecting our children to assume uh, something that's not being modeled for them. So parents, our responsibility is absolutely huge. And uh, the outcome of the generation uh, to come or the generations to come uh, is highly dependent upon you and I as individual parents. Institutions can't take the place of parents. They cannot. Um, the way If we expect our church to take on those responsibilities, or the school take on the responsibility, uh, or any other institutions, folks, we're misleading, we're, we're deluding ourselves. It's just not going to happen. We parents have to step up, take the primary responsibility, and use all of these other institutions as support. Uh, It's very important that we listen and try to understand our children. Uh, It's absolutely critical in confronting our children, and our our children need confrontation daily. Confrontation is not negative. Confrontation should be a very positive thing. Uh, So we need to appreciate and understand that confronting our children in love and comforting them in that process is highly critical uh, for them as they develop and, and move through their stages of uh, being a child. Uh, Communication skills, when we talk about parenting skills, uh, is uh, probably one of the key things that most parent training talk about. It certainly is critical. Let me suggest to you one of the mistakes that we do make is trying to convince our children that our reasoning is correct and for their benefit. Folks, uh, for a child, that requires a rational brain, and that's not where they're at. Our children are emotional, um, they are not rational, and we can't expect them no matter how we try to explain, uh, no matter how we try to give rational reasons why we're behaving why they are. it goes over the head of these of our children very little of it sinks in uh, again they 're emotional so we need to be careful when we confront our children we need to avoid emotional provoking words or activities, environments, uh, be careful when we confront. We've got to be thoughtful. Let me just give you a few things that I've found in my practice, in my life, and again, having dealt with my biological children as well as hundreds of foster children, both at, in my home and as the agency executive director, uh, I've observed thousands and thousands of children, folks. So I'm not just simply guessing this is stuff that I've experienced in my life. And because of that, I want to be able to try to pass on as much of this as I can to you. So try to avoid emotional situations, environments, words, activities. Uh, Let me just give you a few here that might be helpful to you. Try to avoid the word no. Uh, You use the word no around a child or even as an adult. I think we tend to become infuriated and immediately feel that uh, we're being attacked. There is a way we can get avoid this, and uh, with the parent training that I normally do, one of the things I talk, teach the parents in these classes is to use what I call positive consequences. Positive consequences is, you know, let's say the child wants to go out with her friends. Uh, so the child is saying, hey, I'm going to go out and play with Johnny. You say, Jimmy, you can go out and play with Johnny as soon as your homework is done. I've not said no. I've given them a positive consequence. If they will do their homework, which is the rule, then they get to go play. Uh, the same thing can happen with TV. I mean, everything that hap- that uh, our children are want to get involved in, try to get away from that word, no. That's an infuriating word, and it's only going to frustrate our children. Uh, so you can be very positive if you develop that skill. That can be something you can develop. Let me give you another word that I suggest parents don't use, the word why. When anybody confronts you or I with the word why, it is immediate we become defensive. That's what the word tends to evoke in us humans. Um, Instead of using the term why, learn to use a substitute substitute word or phrase. Let me give you an example here. Instead, Instead of saying, why did you do such and such, I could say, Jimmy, I don't quite understand what happened here. Can you share with me the background? Can you share with me what happened? Uh, you can see how the edge is cut off that why. The child does not necessarily have to become defensive. No, it's Again, it's going to be normal. It's human nature that we tend as humans to be defensive. But there's no reason for you and I as parents to provoke that defensive posture when we can avoid it. So we learn how to reshape our words um, and not to frustrate our children or to cause them to go into that mode of becoming defensive. One of the other things with parents that I want to share out here is this term negotiating uh, that is oftentimes used when it comes to family uh, parenting skills the this issue seems to be really really encouraged and supported particularly as the child gets older i'm going to suggest to you that i'm going to go against the textbook standard because when you start the negotiating process and particularly the older your child gets the more you're going to get into the, the to the arguing environment and when you try to uh, convince one another in an argument, each is trying to convince the other of the validity of whatever it is that they stand for, folks, it's only going to lead to arguments. I'm sorry, but negotiating causes arguments in the family. Uh, I'd love to deal, and I will be dealing with this issue a little bit more in detail, but I want to suggest to you folks, um, take some of your parent training. Uh, we have uh, Parent Project Training. Go to the www.parentproject.com. Or if you want to uh, communicate with me, please go to the email address, purpose driven parenting at gmail.com. And I'll uh, give you some information, try to answer your questions. But uh, again, you need to understand some of these concepts. They're so critical, folks, for us to have a home that is uh, with harmony and not in chaos, okay? I want to leave with you a verse today that uh, hopefully will uh, help you in your parenting process. Uh, This is uh, James chapter 3, verse 11 through 18. It says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. Folks, look at your home. Does this home, your parenting style, does that represent that verse in James? Those verses in James? I pray so. My prayer for you as a parent or a grandparent is that you will be a peacemaker and experience a harvest of goodness in your children and your grandchildren.
1: Well, Vern, I'd like to thank you for your insights and comments today as part of our ongoing parenting series, a part of the Hosanna Parent Project, and for folks that say, gee, this is really great stuff, I'd like to go a little bit deeper. I'll remind listeners, you can download today's program as part of the KFAX podcast at kfax.com. I would encourage you to listen to this content again, certainly listen to it together with your spouse, and be able to down through the coming days and weeks, build principle upon principle, precept upon precept. For parents that need to go a little bit deeper and want to go into some intensive training, tell us a bit about the Hosanna Parent Project and how they can sign up for classes.
2: Yes, they can go to the website that you had just mentioned, hosannaparentproject.org. They also can go to the national uh, website, which is www.parentproject.com, And all of the opportunities are are listed on that website. However, I am the only one in the United States that's using the Parent Project spiritually-based curriculum. Everybody else is secular. So those that want... The spiritual emphasis need to come to my series, and then that way they'll be able to get that influence. You
1: have multiple-week seminars taking place at churches throughout the Bay Area. And what if somebody listening says, we need this in our church? Is it available?
2: It is. Go to the same website. Give me some information. I'll contact the pastor, and we'll see if we can't arrange it based on the, the ability to use the church.
1: And again, information available on the series at HosannaParentProject.org. A number of tools and resources available at that website as well. HosannaParentProject.org. That's HosannaParentProject.org.